0: Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called The Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses and this podcast where every Tuesday a business owner shares their story including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk So in these uncertain times if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family read the book join the Facebook group and enjoy the show now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Project Future podcast. My guest this week is Mark Jarvis, a business mentor who inspires forward-thinking business people to grow themselves and build better, stronger and smarter businesses. In this conversation, Mark explains what could be achieved if we surround ourselves with the right people. How to grow your business when your diary is already full. The difference between growth and expansion. What the 60-20-20 principle is and why you should implement it in your business. The common misconception of what constitutes working on your business. The power of referrals if they're done right. And finally, how to deliver a great speech. Mark's best advice is to get somebody to help you. Let's have a listen. Hi Mark, welcome to the show. I'd love for you to tell us a bit about your background and indeed how you got started in in what it is that you do today.
1: Thank you very much Rob, yes. So so hello everybody, my name is Mark Jarvis. Um, Thank you for inviting me along. Uh, I have been in business now since the early 90s really Um, and I started my first business from a great idea as many of us do uh, and have grown, started, built, sold businesses ever since. I'm effectively now advising businesses and people on how to what I call grow a better, stronger, smarter business based on the experience that I've had. And thankfully, and I'm really privileged to have been able to work with literally thousands of businesses over the years and people uh, to help them do exactly that. Um, I come from a background in the hotel and hospitality industry and spent over 22 years doing that. But as many of us do in life, we be, we find out that uh, Whilst having a a successful and highly paid career in in the corporate world uh, might provide you with things, it doesn't necessarily provide you with a happy life. So we made the decision in the early 90s to go and do something else and we decided that it would be great to start my own business. And like many of us uh, are in this position today, um, I have been on the journey, (laughs) (laughs) made all the mistakes and seen all the successes that uh, pretty much every business person experiences on their own journey.
0: Absolutely. So, tell us a bit more about that. You know, how has the entrepreneur journey been for you over, you know, getting on for thirty years? What What have been some highs and lows that you've had along the way?
1: Yeah, yeah. Great question. You know, when I reflect on the the reasons we started the business, you know, like many people, we we think, well, I'm, I want to start my own business because I want control of my life, as I've just perhaps alluded to. That's exactly what we wanted. Um, yeah. You know, we wanted to have the control over our life. I wanted to have control over my diary. I wanted to choose who I worked with. But the inevitability of starting a new business uh, actually means that we end up working with pretty much any type of business we can get, particularly in the early months and years. And the one of the one of the interesting things, and I, I'd be pleased to note a couple of uh, key milestones i guess on on my own journey and particularly the journey that i share with other people as as they're doing you know they're growing their own businesses i learned that success comes from not necessarily doing the right things but it's surrounding ourselves with the right people and i like many people uh, start started the business and grew it and ended up being a very busy person and really, found the business was actually running me <laughs> or running yep. us. Uh, but to take the step from being the the business owner whose business ran them to being the business owner who ran their business is not always an easy thing to do. And I I certainly found on my own journey that you know we often don't see these milestones coming along. Uh, so I'd be very interested or very pleased to share with you just some of those key milestones with you today, if that would be interesting, Rob.
0: Yeah, yeah, please do. it. It's a great point. I think it's the business can carry itself in, in many respects. And yeah, what, what you've touched on, I say, we'll we'll go back to your point at the moment to, to that in a moment. But I think what you've touched on there in terms of wanting control of, of your diary and who you work with, yeah, it's that's the reason that so many people go into start their own business. And it was one of the key factors for me in twenty fourteen when I started my business as well. And I think that's a great aspiration, but then it, it, it can really not be the case, can't it, as you kind of go into it and, and and things kind of take over from there and suddenly you're you're super busy. So I think getting being aware of that in the first instance and setting up a business in a way that you'll kind of retain control rather than go back two or three years later. Can, can be so key. So yeah, I'd absolutely love for you to uh, to tell us a bit more about that for you.
1: Uh, absolutely, Rob. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's a number of things that happen, really, as I've, I've alluded to already, sort of some key milestones that happen for us. And the first one, as a business owner, we we grow a business, we engage with new clients and customers, and our diary begins to fill. And what I often find for people is that as our diary fills, we sacrifice investing in ourselves and in our business and in the growth of our business to serve more and more clients and, and customers. Indeed, to a point where, as I've mentioned already, our diary begins to control us and the demands on our diary begin to control what we do on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. The reality, though, as a business person is that we have a responsibility to invest in our own learning and our own growth and in the growth of our business as almost an independent entity. So rather than getting tied up in being busier and busier and busier and then having what I call, uh, uh, there's a number of phrases I share with you today, one of them is like what I call time-limited turnover. And, you know, by its definition, that means that Our ability to increase the turnover we generate in our business is limited by the time that we have available to us in our diary. And one of the key questions I'm often asked by people is how do I grow my business when my diary is already full? Yeah, Because the reality is that unless we're going to do more hours delivering to our customers and clients, we have no choice but to be busier unless we address some other aspects, and we, you know, ideally invest in ourselves in our business, we have nowhere to go when the time comes to grow our business. Which brings me on to another point, really, where the the difference between growth and expansion. And I firmly believe that not every business wants to expand. So for some of us, we like to be a sole trader. We want to be just on our own, maybe having a couple of people around us but we don't want to be a large business. However, that doesn't exclude us from our responsibility to grow our business. And the difference between expansion and growth is a really interesting discussion I have on a number of occasions, and on a regular basis. So, um, so there's a couple of key steps there, Rob, really, in that beginning of the journey is knowing when to do it. And I have a I have a little model which I always uh, uh, give to people and I call it, it's one of my Jarvis principles and I have seven available from my website. Um, One of them I call the 60-20-20 rule. Um, And if you'd like me to, I'm happy to share with you what that is.
0: Yeah, I I think it's the the point you make about the difference between growth and expansion is so key because I think they really are distinct and and the, the growth that you can have can be, massive, even as a sole trader and as as, as a small business, if you're investing in the right products uh, and the the right offering, and whether that's putting your prices up or selling something that scales, you know, uh, and there's so many ways around it that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to take on staff and and get additional premises and all these kind of things. But it's about being strategic, isn't it? And understanding exactly, you know, where is a good investment of your time?
1: Absolutely, Rob. Uh, and, and the key thing for me here is that as a busy business person, we sacrifice the time that we should invest in developing our thought processes and expanding our, our journey, our knowledge and experiences because we continue to be busier. Yeah. And because we've sacrificed that time, that investment in, in our own, in the growth of our business and ourselves, we, we're we not in a position to be able to think about what different things can i do in my business in order to support its growth we have no choice but to expand Uh, and i have a couple of phrases one of which i call the entrepreneur seesaws of one of those um, uh, is that the, the first entrepreneur seesaw is where a business person at the beginning of the journey they get busy but they have to stop being busy having delivered to their clients and customers delivered on projects um, to go out and get new business and once they've gone out and got and gained new business they then have to stop gaining new business because they need to deliver on the business they've just gained so it's yep. a seesaw between gaining new business and delivering on the business you have yeah the second entrepreneur seesaw is where we reach the point where we choose to expand our business by employing people sadly for those businesses businesses and people that are purely focused on growing their turnover and how busy they are they are sacrificing their growth um, they are simply employing people to be as busy as the business owner was delivering the same things the business was in order to get more of the same results so it becomes a self-perpetuating process there's a lovely quote isn't there um, and I forget the the person quoting you I'm sure you will know Rob is that if we always do what we've always done, we'll always get what we've always got.
0: Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And, and unless we can invest in growth, uh, you know, those things can never happen for us because being busier doesn't bring growth.
0: No, that's brilliant. And and it, it, it's such a key point, isn't it? And all, all being busier can lead to sometimes is burnout and an inability to... To deliver, to deliver to the same standards uh, for for your clients, which which has those negative aspects of customer satisfaction at the end of things as well. And indeed, of of course, the impact on on, on yourself and on the family and on everybody around you to be able to, from being part of that whole, isn't it? And, you know, being the whole person that you are, not just a business owner.
1: Correct, which brings us back to the point at the beginning where so many people decide they want to start a business because they want control of their life. They want to have control of their diary, what they do on a daily basis, et cetera, et cetera. However, having explained a couple of points there, that, or a couple of those key stages in, the, in the, the cycle of business, if you like, the entrepreneur's journey, we find that we often reach these points uh, and I often say to people that you know I love to work with people when this is important to them but before it becomes urgent or critical because at that point sometimes it's too late you know as i've just said there you know if somebody reaches the point where they are so busy which is great that we can have a busy business and we have clients and customers and all that sort of thing and that's great but if we're sacrificing our investment in ourselves and our business we can never grow beyond that point. We have no choice but to be as busy as we are forever.
0: You touched on the sixty twenty twenty principle uh, and then we, we jumped in and spoke about other things. So I wonder if you can go back to that point for us. indeed,
1: happy to of course. Uh, so this is based on something that I've learned myself uh, and learned how to share with other people. and I call it my sixty twenty twenty rule simply because it helps us to understand. The percentage of time that I have found and the people that I work with have found to be an ideal sweet spot in terms of the balance between working in our business, working on our business and working on ourselves. So if we just break that down for a moment, let's say that we as a business, we should and aspire to be as close to this and we're not all going to reach this 60-20-20 Um, ideal but as close to this as possible I have found brings the success that we as entrepreneurs and as business owners always wanted when we started anyway so let's say that we uh, we break our time down into 60% of our time delivering and working in the business and we spend 20% of our time working on ourselves and 20% of our time working on our business. And I mean on the business, not in the business. So it's a very, very simple, straightforward model to aspire to or uh, aim to get as close to as possible. So we're working in our business 60% of our time, we're working on ourselves 20% of our time, and we're working on our business 20% of our time. So if we break that down very quickly, you know, if you have a 40-hour working week, and let's face it, I hope, as entrepreneurs and busy people, we're not working too much more than that because when we had a job, that's what we were doing. Uh, So if we're doing a 40 hour week, then 20% of our time is eight hours a week working on ourselves, and eight hours a week working on our business. Now, hand on heart, how many people here listening to this today are actually working eight hours per week, assuming it's 40, eight hours per week on their business? I'm sure that the majority of the people here listening are not doing that. So what we're doing is we're sacrificing the growth opportunity of our business because we choose to be busier. Anyway, so 20% of our time, so eight hours of our time working on our business, 20% of our time investing in our own self learning and self development, because I have another uh, lovely quote that I use a lot is we can never out earn our learning. Uh, you know, our earning potential, our growth potential in our business is limited by the amount of learning we have. So if we're investing 20% of our time, our work time, learning more and better things, we're able to invest that learning into our business. So that's the essence of the 60-20-20, well, Rob.
0: Yeah, I love it, Mark. I, I think it's fabulous. And, and clearly it's, you know, it's a little bit of a play on words with the, the 80-20 principle as well, which, which is, of course, so famous. But I, I think it's, it's such a clever way of looking at it. And you talk about hours, but also it can be, be broken down into days of the week, can't it? You know, with the five working days in the week, you could say three days of working in the business, one on, on yourself in your own development, and then one day on developing the business itself. So working on the business. So, yeah, it's it's a fabulous principle. And I, I think it's so clever in, in terms of how that can be applied and how that can allow all of us as business owners to to grow and to thrive uh, as as business owners and as individuals as well, because so often the the self kind of thing gets left till nine or ten o'clock at night, doesn't it? When you might kind of grab a book or you know or listen to a podcast when you're walking the dog or whatever it may be. So it's to, to factor that in within the working day as a, a legitimate part of the business. I think is such a, a positive approach and will provide results at, at the end of the cycle.
1: Indeed, and I have one note of caution that I'll finish on, if I may. Um, looking at the the time working on our business, particularly, you know, that twenty percent working on our business, I think we understand the twenty percent working on ourselves with our own personal development and our own learning and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, But what I found is, is when I'm having a conversation with a business owner about how much time they spend working on their business, they often feed back to me that the things that they're doing, which they believe are activities that are working on the business, are in fact working in the business activities. So there's a couple of quick examples we we talk about networking a lot, we talk about marketing, we talk about sales, we talk about social media, all of the different things that we do uh, to run our business. And often people believe that those activities are working on the business activities. They are not. They are simply activities the business has to do to operate. Therefore, they have to be working in the business activities and if we are a solopreneur if we're in a, a sole trader business we are simply changing the hat that we wear the role that we that we deliver in our business but we are still working in our business and here is the 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 challenge really rob is that because people believe that going networking and doing sales and doing marketing and doing all the other bits and pieces that we do are working on the business they are never truly planning and looking at their vision and aspiring for growth and development innovation plans because they've filled their working on the business time with working in the business activities so there's a there's a very fine line between understanding the difference between an in the business activity and an on the business activity
0: absolutely so so what would you consider to be the activities that are working on the business in terms of developing those growth opportunities?
1: Well, again, in much the same way as we, as I talked about investing in our own self-learning and our own self-development, working on the business is very much around thinking about our vision. So I, I have a very simple model that, uh, that I work with, particularly with younger businesses, which is just, okay, so what's our five-year vision? What are our three-year goals? And what is our one-year plan? And the the 20% of time that you spend working on your business, those are the sorts of things that you will do. Okay, so is what we are delivering congruent with our vision? Is it in line with our goals for the next quarter, for the next year, for the next three years? Because if those things are not, and we do not have time in our schedule to investigate, to assess, to review, to adapt, to develop, to innovate we can never truly grow, which comes back to this whole point of growing a business. So really working on the business is about goal setting, planning, uh, and making sure that your vision is aligned, innovating new products and services. And it becomes something that we do deliberately in our business because it's a growth activity rather than an accidental op- activity that we do in a business just because we've got a little spare time at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's music to my ears, Mark. And, and certainly, you know, as as a project manager over the years, you, you hear so often that people are too busy to plan. You know, I'm I'm in a position where I've got to get this stuff done. I've got to, you know, I've got this deadline to reach. We don't have time to make a plan. But then, then all that happens is that you either don't deliver the result that you're looking for or things end up taking twice as long to get there in the first place. So, yeah, I, I think being proactive in, in terms of, looking at the vision, as you say, and working out exactly what the plan is, relatively short term and then the longer term and, and refining things as you go. I think reviews are so key. And it's you know, it's, it's something that I, I talk about in detail in Project Future is, is how reviews are so fundamental to both delivering, but then also planning. Uh, because if you if you don't review, if you don't look at exactly what it is you've achieved or haven't achieved over a certain time period, then you won't be able to set the course for for the next step effectively. So, yeah, it's it's fabulous. It really is.
1: Uh, And that's exactly my point, Rob, because what people do is that they fill their time with working in the business activities, which is generally delivering to more and more clients and customers. And they sacrifice that working on the business time, as I've mentioned already, to serve more clients because they believe that that's the route to growth
0: when in fact, it's the opposite. Yeah, indeed. No, brilliant stuff. So I feel like we could talk about this subject (laughs) for the rest of the day. But let's move on now. Because I know that a key part of what it is that you do and how you help people is in terms of looking at referrals. So I wonder if you could touch on the benefit that referrals can have to a business owner, especially someone that's just about starting out.
1: Absolutely, indeed. And, you know, referrals and um, networking and all sorts of different things that we talk about in business have, to my mind, become quite cliche, quite in words to use in business. Um, but yet, do we really understand the power of referrals? And I think we use the word referrals or we're tempted to use the word referrals in our day to day operations in our businesses and organizations when what we actually mean are just leads recommendations and introductions so i'd like to touch on just very briefly not to get into too much detail today because i'm mindful of time but i think it's important for us to understand that a referral is something that a, a fellow or a colleague somebody in your network has crafted and created for you which is much much more than somebody simply saying i know somebody who can help you with that because that's just a recommendation and introduction. And whilst those are lovely in business, they do not lead to the value of business that we're looking for. So the you know referrals, real referrals, uh, and if anybody's interested in finding out about that, I have a number of workshops and courses that I run to support that learning. Um, but real referrals um, are about building a core group of people around you who share your values and beliefs and are able to help you to grow your business by introducing you to your ideal target market. That is the, uh, that's the essence of a, what a referral is all about, uh, which saves us a huge amount of time and money. And I'm sure those people that are listening here today will be able to think about a referral that they've received or an introduction or recommendation that they've received. And they will know in their heart how much uh, more enjoyable it's been to deliver on that piece of business. Because humans, despite what we might think, are relational people. We, we love to collaborate and we always know that people buy from people and people choose to work with people. So for me, real referrals are about building a group of people around you who you know, like and trust and who know enough about you to introduce you with a high degree of leverage in your network. So that's the essence, really, of referrals, uh, Rob.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And and you touched there on uh, the workshops that you deliver. I know you do a lot of speaking as well. So uh, I think you've delivered over, over a thousand events uh, over over the years. So I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about speaking and how people can utilize that within their business. So I've had a few guests that have really told us about the power of speaking. And I I always think it's great to get an example of how that can work, because I think in in a way, every business owner needs to speak in in some form about their business and to an audience. So I, I wonder what your take is on that.
1: Thank you. Yes. You know, my experience of speaking is really understanding what it is that people are interested in hearing about. And for me, I found that most people enjoy hearing about the journey that other people have been on but there is a little bit of a fine line and i'm sure rob you're the same and i'm sure there's a number of people that are listening to us today that have attended um a presentation perhaps it's um you know a speech or a keynote or a bit, perhaps been to a conference at some point where they've had a guest speaker and the and the guest speaker has spent the majority of the time Telling their story, and whilst the story is very, very powerful to help us connect with our audience, it cannot be the whole part of it. So I think for me, I found that helping people to understand the experience that, experiences that that I have had based on my own story and why I choose to share those experiences with others is the most powerful aspect of speaking because I I found that people want to share in somebody else's journey. You know, we are all wonderful. You know, we, we study stories and we enjoy stories and books and novels and TV and films and all sorts of things like that. And we all buy into the characters in the stories and on those journeys. And I think it's the same in speaking as well. We want to feel part of that journey. We want to feel part of that experience and share in those experiences and the feelings that those experiences bring out in us. So for me, it is about very, very much around sharing our story, but to add in our insights and our learning, which is really the whole point of being in a position to be able to say, look, here's some information that might help you on your own journey.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And you used the word at the start there. It's about balance, isn't it? so I think, you know, if you're just to literally just go in and start giving all your your best tips and stuff, People won't necessarily relate to that in a way they will if they if they empathise with you if they understand you know the similarities of where you were ten years ago perhaps with where they are now and then they can listen in a way that they'll be able to learn and grow uh, through that. So yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very fine line, but a, a key one in terms of relating to the audience and then you know being able to get that connection. Uh, so yeah, no, it's a it's a really really key point. And, and finally, because you do mention, mention the time aspect, um, mastermind groups. I know you've you've set up a mastermind group yourself relatively recently and the, the networking opportunity that comes from um, mastermind groups and being involved in in that kind of environment. How would you kind of explain that to people in terms of why they may want to get involved in a mastermind group, whether whether yours or more generally?
1: Yes. You know, I think the last year, 18 months or so has shown us more and more clearly that collaborating, you know, we, we are we are far better when we collaborate with other people. And to collaborate with people who are on a similar journey to ourselves, gives us that opportunity to share in our experiences. I've, I've talked about for the last few minutes as well. So for me, masterminds are most powerful when you bring people together who have shared experiences Maybe not exactly the same because that's perhaps where the benefit lies, but where people are, they're in a position to be able to share their experiences, but also their knowledge and learn from each other and be open enough to learn from each other, from other people as well. So for me, masterminds are very much around sharing in each other's experience, presenting a, a challenge or an opportunity or an aim or a goal that they have in business. To their colleagues, so that their colleagues can then share in that experience and share their own experience to help each other to reach our goals, and that for me is the key thing, Rob, because it is a a better together uh, concept.
0: Absolutely, and and very well put uh, as well. As I was involved in a mastermind group a few years ago, and and certainly uh, the the group of six of us that were on there, you know, being on that journey together led to you know a, a greater result i think for for most of us certainly than it would have done otherwise so so yeah it's uh, it's it's a really key principle and there's lots of mastermind groups out there uh, as well aren't there and you know on on specific subjects and having that shared uh, shared but different experience as you put it can can really help to make the thing better so yeah no, very very well put so well before we finish there's four questions that i ask every guest on the show so I'd love to know what your best piece of advice is for somebody thinking about starting a business today.
1: The best piece of advice that I can ever give somebody is get somebody to help you. Uh, you know, and I wish that I'd had this when I first started out in the early 90s, because if, you, if we don't have somebody around us to help and support us, we have no choice but to base our growth on what we know. And let's face it, we only know what we know. And the only way we're going to know more things is to surround ourselves with people who know more than we do or they've had different experiences. So, you know, my one wish or piece of advice is if you do nothing else, the first thing that you should get is somebody to help you on your journey because collaboration accelerates growth.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic, and there's so many ways that that can be done as well. Either either through a mentor or or through groups that are out there. You know, Tenny in episode thirty nine spoke about the work that she's done as a mentor through the UN. Uh, so working with with specific programs that that they fund and invest in, and there's there's lots of things out there as well that you know you, you can get access to really wonderful people, and it just helps you to aim higher. I think is the is the key way I can put that because otherwise, you as you say, Mark, you you don't know what you don't know. So yeah, I think it's it's a really really key point, and it can be hard to ask for help as well. You know, it's it's kind of against many of our nature to uh, to, to go out and say, yes, I I, I don't know this. Uh, I, I'd like some help. Um, so, but I, I, th- I say I think so many more people succeed that are willing to ask for help and to say, I think this is a gap. This is something that I need to learn about. Please can you help me?
1: And I think it's much more than that, Rob, if I may, because for me, having people around us to help us must be a fundamental cornerstone of growth. Getting people around us is not about just identifying a problem and getting somebody in to help you do it. Because, you know, if I'm going to be um, a top sports person, I cannot do that on my own i have to have people around me who can coach teach and mentor me to be the sports person i want to be so why is it not the same in business and i believe it should be the first person that we should that we choose to surround ourselves with should be somebody to help us on our journey to accelerate our success
0: yeah fantastically put and and certainly you know i'm i'm into my sports as regular listeners will will know and you know we've seen from the olympics that So many of the people there, when they're doing their interviews afterwards, they don't just talk about themselves. They refer to the team around them. And it's not just a coach. You know, there'll be there's nutritionists, there's uh, there's the uh, psychologists that are around them as well. You know, there's there's a whole bank of people uh, supporting most of these these sports people, either one to one or as as part of a wider group within each each sport. So, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah. A fundamental cornerstone of growth is a really excellent way of putting it. So, yeah, and very powerful as well. So great stuff. So what do you know now that you wish you knew back when you started your business?
1: Again, a great question, Rob. For me, again, I I wish I had been open-minded enough and not blinded to the fact that I knew. I thought I knew everything I needed to know it links very closely to the point we've just talked about there about getting help and support to get to where we want to be. Um, And it really is that, you know, if there is the one thing that would have made it, would have helped me accelerate the growth of my business, it would be to say to myself 30 years ago (laughs) or whatever it is, Mark, go and find some help, you know, get get yourself a coach, get yourself a mentor, obviously get the right person because, you know, it's very easy to not be the right person. But get out there and find yourself the right person that can help you and support you on your journey.
0: Absolutely, and perhaps to align it to the 60-20-20 rule as well.
1: That's a good one. (laughs) I love what you.
0: Yes, (laughs) but it's so true, Um, and I I think it really does play a part in in every business. And that's that's something that I'll take away from this conversation as well, Uh, because I I think it's you know it, it it can be tricky to to factor in that time, but when you know it's important. And, and you know that this is something that will benefit everything in the longer term then then yeah it's it's a great way to go about planning things. So is there a resource so be it a book, a podcast, um, a blog, anything like that that you'd recommend either in your space or more generally?
1: Of course and i I, I have a um, I have a recommended reading list that um, I often suggest to to people at the beginning of their journey. Uh, and there are perhaps two or three books, which I think are really, really powerful. Um, there is, of course, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, The Entrepreneur's Myth. That's what E stands for. <laughs> I was recently commented to me when I said, oh, you, you know, The E-Myth is a, by Michael Gerber is a really good book to get started with. And they said, what's that, The E-Commerce Myth? I said, no, no, it's The Entrepreneur's Myth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's a really good book to start with. The other one is a Simon Sinek book called Start With Why. It's a yeah. very, very powerful book to help us get our messaging correct. Um, and there's another one, um, Building a Story Brand. Those three books, as a business person at the beginning of the journey, really help us to cement our message, help us to identify what we are aiming and working towards, Uh, and a number of the things I've alluded to in in today's uh, uh, conversation as well.
0: Yes, indeed, and i say there, you know we're getting to the stage now where where several books are coming up more than once and and they're they're some of them because I think they are so they are so key and they're they're books that you see on on reading this and they're there for a reason um, so yeah, brilliant stuff and is there a guest that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show?
1: Indeed, um I have a very dear friend and colleague, a lady called Sarah Owen. She runs um a a company called Disc Simple. Um, they're very much around behavior and communication in the workplace. Um, a lovely lady and very, very well spoken. And I, I know would be very pleased to come along and share with you. And I'd be more than happy to introduce you, Rob.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, a Great recommendation. So there more things that are so key with every business. So you know, brilliant stuff. And And just finally, if people would like to know more about you, Mark, what should they do and where should they go?
1: Thank you for asking. Of course, we c- you can look at my website, uh, mark-jarvis.co.uk. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark A. Jarvis, A stands for Andrew, on LinkedIn, and you'll find me there. Um, and I'm more than happy to have a conversation with people. Um, I, I've deliberately uploaded a number of articles, quite a lot of articles, uh, into my LinkedIn profile and will be appearing on my website in due course as well specifically to aid people in their thinking, to help them move away from being busy people to being people that are focused on growth. Um, And you can get the Jarvis principles from there as well. Uh, So website mark-jarvis.co.uk is always a a good place to start. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. And I think on your LinkedIn as well, you you have your calendar open, don't you? You have a few sessions available for discovery calls and, and things like that if people would like to speak with you.
1: Correct, yes. More than happy to just have a brief discovery call just to find out a little bit more about what what your goals and aims are, because, you know, if we're not working and we don't have clarity on our vision, and if we don't um, have an understanding of the goals that we're trying to achieve, you know, we can't get the traction within our plan to get there.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been great fun and really enlightening.
1: Absolute pleasure, Rob. Thank you so much for having me along today.
0: I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For my top three takeaways, I'm starting with asking for help and surrounding yourself with the right people. I strongly believe that the most successful individuals are those who understand their own weaknesses and either seek to reduce them or look to work with others to complete that role. As Mark said, collaboration accelerates growth and it's very rare for people to succeed completely alone. So what areas of your business do you need help with and what will you do about it? My second takeaway is the 60-20-20 principle. I love it and I think it makes so much sense. What I especially liked was the clarification of what constitutes working on the business, and how social media, networking, and all those kind of things are not it. Working on the business is taking a step back from anything day to day, and as Mark said, focusing on the planning, developing your vision, aspiring for growth, and spending time innovating your offering. Where do you think you are on this at the moment, and what can you do to reach the 20% or eight-hour target for this per week. Finally, it's the need to work smart. The name of this episode is Working Hard on Smart Things, and that's really what it's all about. To ensure the time you're working is meaningful, targeted, and that you're working on the right things. To quote Mark again, being busier doesn't bring growth. So a final question from me. How can you clear time in your diary to be less busy, and free up some capacity to work more smartly so that your business can thrive. On next week's show, i speak with Mike Pagan on prioritising mental wealth. Like so many episodes of this show, it builds very nicely into the tapestry of what it's like to be a business owner and how you can be the best version of yourself. I look forward to your company on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.